0: Listening to Wake Up Call. I'm your host, Christina Previtt. If we haven't met before, I was a divorce lawyer in New Jersey for 15 years. I'm currently the CEO and co owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a divorce law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. My guest today is Stacy Fine Tuck. Stacy suffered a traumatic loss in 2011 at the age of 45 when her husband very unexpectedly died from a heart attack after a run. Stacy was left with their two young daughters to raise alone. She's here to talk about that experience and how she surprised even herself by becoming a successful blogger. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much for having me, Christina. Of course. I'm just dying to talk to you because you have lived, it almost seems like, a couple of lives already.
1: It's funny. I always say that. I say I had, you know, my before life and my after life and
0: it, it, yeah, it's probably been three or four now. <laughs> so and some of that in there were not good times. No, absolutely not. So why don't we start there? It, it was October 2011, right? October 9th, 2011. Yes. You're living a good life. You're happy. You're married. Mm-hmm. You have two kids, and it's a happy family. Yeah. And then something happened to change that. I it was a tip, I was a typical suburban, you know, wife and mom.
1: My husband was great. My daughters were great. You know, normal, average, everyday problems. Um, There was no warning signs, no nothing. We had gone to my daughter's soccer game that afternoon. It was a Sunday. And we came home, and Howie said he was going to go out for a run. And whenever I tell this story, people think he was a runner. He was not a runner. I thought he was a runner. (laughs) Yeah, he was not a runner. Um, But he, every once in a while, would go out for a run. And it was hot. I remember it was October 9th, but it was high 80s. It was a very hot day. And I was on the phone and he came back into the house and he was very, very sweaty and said he didn't feel well. And I was watching him while I was on the phone and he grabbed the water and he lied down, but not on the couch, on the floor. And I said to my girlfriend, I'm like, I got to go. And I got off the phone and I went over and I'm like, are you okay? And he said, I really don't feel well. And I said, would you like me to call 911? And he said, no, no, no. I I don't think it's anything like that. I just really don't feel well. I don't want to scare the girls, because the girls were home. Um, I'm going to go upstairs and lie down. I said, "Okay." And in my head, I was like, let me see if he can make it up those steps. If he can make it up those steps, he's probably fine. So I watched him, made it up the steps, went in the bedroom, lied down. So I made dinner for the kids. And he said he wasn't hungry. And while the girls and I started eating, I heard this crash come from upstairs. And I just knew, I'm like, this is not good. And the girls were staring at me, and I just said, don't come upstairs. And I flew up the steps. I grabbed the phone and I flew up the steps, and I found him face down on the ground in the bedroom. And I was talking to him, and he didn't respond. I called 911, and they were walking me through CPR and all of that. And finally, the police came first, I remember. Then the ambulance came. When the ambulance came, uh, my next-door neighbor came into the house. Our neighbors are, like, our best friends. And he's like, what's going on? And I said, I think how he had a heart attack, take the kids. So he took my kids. And his wife came over and sat with me while we like watched and listened to the paramedics working on him. And I knew I could just see nothing was working. And they put him in the ambulance. They put me in the ambulance in the front seat so they can continue whatever they were doing in the back. And I always remember this. The ambulance driver grabbed my hand. She was a woman. and And I knew. I'm like, she's grabbing my hand because she knows this isn't good. And we made it to the hospital. They wheeled him in. My neighbors actually, like, all of a sudden appeared. I'm like, what are you doing here? And they said they left all four of our kids with another neighbor. They came to be with me. We all walked into the hospital together. And I walked in, and there was a nurse standing there. This is what I always remember. And she was crying. Like, not a little teary. She was bawling. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, I knew. And uh, the doctor sat me down. She told me that there was nothing they could do. And I just started to blame myself. I remember I'm like, I should have called 911 earlier. I should have, I should have, I should have. And she sat me down and she looked me in the eye and she said, um, it wouldn't have mattered. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm a doctor. This was going to happen. Nothing you could have done would have made a difference. I still don't know if I believe her. I think she might have been saying it to make me feel better. I don't know, but it helped. Um, And then that was it. I remember people kept coming into the hospital. Like my neighbors were calling, you know, our friends. And I called Howie's parents. I called my parents. And all of a sudden, everyone was in this hospital room. And I just sat myself on the floor. I just, like, plopped myself on the floor. And I, like, put my head in my lap until somebody said, let's go. We have to go home. And that was it. I had to tell the girls, which was awful. And that changed my life forever. And that was the beginning of i don't want to say my new life but you know everything changed
0: i feel like i want to cry now just from that story <sighs> i know it's a horrible story and just so our listeners know they were 10 and 12 at the time yes your they, girls? the girls
1: were 10 and 12 yes
0: i can't even imagine after that just going home
1: yeah no that was to me the worst part of it was like i like when i sat myself down on that hospital floor i didn't want to leave like i just wanted to stay on that floor and not move ever um Yeah, going home was bad. I knew I had to tell the girls. And I remember being in the house that night after I told the girls. um, My parents came in from Long Island, and my in-laws were at the house. But my in-laws went home, and my parents were staying with us. And I remember we were all sitting in my living room, and we were staring at each other, like the girls, me, and my parents. And we didn't know what to do. My mom put the TV on. And we were all just, like, staring staring at each other
0: because what do you do you've never been through that before exactly. there's no is there an etiquette I don't yeah, even know I, I
1: don't know but while we were all sitting there staring at each other my best friend walked into the house like I guess somebody told her whatever and she walked into the house and you know she hugged me and whatever and she hugged the girls and she walked into my kitchen and she started cleaning up because I had left all the dinner dishes and everything out and I was like didn't, it didn't, wouldn't never have occurred to me to go clean and she cleaned my entire kitchen and then to me like when I remember it, it I feel like it was 1 o'clock in the morning but it wasn't it was about 8 o'clock at night so she sat down she called the funeral home she called the temple she called the rabbi she did everything for me and set up all my appointments and did everything and I mean she was like a godsend um,
0: and that was it what about your kids I mean what was it like telling them Ugh, that was the worst thing in the world You know they
1: knew something was going on but when they were at my neighbor's and then my other neighbors so there were six kids in in the house and I think they were just like hanging out and I'm sure they were worried but I don't think that they thought it was going to be what it was and they were just hysterical I mean that to me was the worst moment of my life was telling them it was awful awful awful
0: and this was eight years ago now eight years ago yes so, over the course of eight years, which I guess sounds like a long time, but then not really yeah it it to me, I always
1: say it feels like a hundred years ago, and it feels like yesterday at the same time.
0: Do you still remember it so vividly? yeah,
1: yeah, like just as I'm telling you the story now it's all playing in my head like i I remember every thought, every feeling, every moment of it,
0: and as time goes on, I'll remember I remember one time I asked somebody when I was much younger in my twenties. I look back on this question like God. What a stupid thing to say! Why did I say that? I had asked this woman who had lost her husband something to the effect of, "Do you get over it?" and and she was very kind and and she said, "It's not really something you get over." Exactly, it, it's not,
1: and it's it's something you get through. I can put it that way. You get through it. Um, everybody has their own timeline. Everybody does it differently but hopefully you get through it. Um, You know, it's always a part of me. It's always going to be there with me. It's always going to be there with my kids, obviously. Um, But I, you get to a place or you hopefully get to a place where it's there, but it's not on your mind every minute of the day. It's not your every waking moment. It doesn't control your life anymore. You know, in the beginning it completely controlled my life, everything. Um, now it doesn't. It's there. I always remember him. You know, I think about him every day. Um, I know the girls do. But we've all luckily been able to make lives for ourselves and we've gotten
0: through it. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. But that was a long process.
1: Yes, it was a very long process. Um, the beginning was all about my kids. Every minute, every day, every second, I was like, how do I get them through this and how do I get them to not be horribly affected by this in the future so that they can have happy, healthy, productive lives and you know, not become a ball rolled up in a corner. And that's all I wanted to do. And that was what I focused on. So I got up every morning and I drove them to school and I made them breakfast and I made their lunches and I drove them to their activities and what they had to do. I also want to say I have amazing family and amazing friends who were beyond helpful and i'm very lucky for that because not everybody has that yeah it sounds like you had a great support network the best support network in the world um everybody would take my carpools would take my kids if i needed they were amazing Um, but i also felt i should do for them myself i'm their mom i felt like i had to be both the mom and the dad and just do everything i could and that's what i did And this went on for a few years. And I remember one of my friends said to me in the first few weeks, I don't know how you get up every morning. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. You know, I could never, I could never. And I said to her, yes, you would. I'm like, you have kids. You're a mother. That's what you do. Um, I don't think I, I wouldn't have thought I could do this either, but I do. And you would have also. And that's what I did. I got up every morning. I did what I had to do until a few years down the road. I think it was about three years after how he died. Um, I always say it was when I had a breakdown. It was not a breakdown, but that's just how I like to describe it. I kind of um, fell apart a little bit. It was like everything piled up on me. You know, my older daughter had gone through a lot of stuff. Uh, I dealt with a lot with her because she went into like a depression, anxiety-ridden depression, you know, when she became about 13, 14 so I dealt with all of that. I dealt with the all the everyday stuff and, you know, everything. And one day I just, I, I like fell apart or I felt like I fell apart. And I knew that I needed some kind of help. What um, was
0: different? I mean, what happened that day?
1: I, it wasn't that day. It was kind of just all building up. It was a lot. I was uh, dating this guy who... Uh, I wasn't that into, and then I changed my mind and decided to be that into him, and um, he was already seeing somebody else. So that definitely played a little part of it, and it was just you know the girls were getting older, they were starting to do well, and then as they were starting to do well, I kind of let myself back off, and I just felt it. I just was like, okay, this has been too long, too many years of nonstop drama, nonstop hurt, nonstop everything. and It's like running a marathon. Exactly. And I just, it was like, I was exhausted. I think that's what it was. I was just completely exhausted.
0: And then maybe because the kids were doing better, you felt like you could slow down a yes. little bit and then you sort of crash
1: exactly yeah. that's exactly what it was I think it was it was that I wasn't it didn't have to be uber focused on them every minute of the day so I was like okay now look at myself I I'm a mess and I and I knew I looked a mess like I just was so skinny I lost so much weight um I was pale I, it, I was just a mess so I thankfully found a good therapist and I found a good psychiatrist and I went on a very low dose of meds and something to help me sleep because I literally hadn't slept in three years. And between the therapy and the meds and just getting my act together, it just took me a few weeks or a few months. And all of a sudden I was kind of feeling like my old self again, which was a great feeling.
0: Yeah. I'm, and we, you and I talked before the show about depression and, you know, what, what that looks like. And, and there's sort of this misconception, I think, in our society that depression looks a certain way yeah. that, you know, it, it looks like someone who can't get out of bed and yeah. can't function at all and you sort of feel like you you would know it when you see it. Right.
1: And I don't think I thought I had that problem because I was up and doing and I went everywhere and I did everything I was supposed to do. So I wasn't depressed. I was fine.
0: Well, that's the misconception, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we were talking about this before is that we think we should be able to tell when someone is depressed. And I had given the example that when some we find out that someone committed suicide, like a celebrity, or if it's someone we happen to have known, mm-hmm. what does everybody always say? Oh, my God, what was wrong? I and I had, had, no, had no idea. idea uh-huh. And they seemed fine. And it's because people don't always go around talking about... You know exactly what exactly is wrong every day. I mean, we can assume because of what you went through that you must you must be grieving. There must be some right. form of depression. But when years go by mm-hmm. and you seem on the outside like everything's okay yeah. and the girls are okay, I think sometimes the tendency is to think everything's okay. Absolutely She's fine. Mm-hmm. So, but you weren't. You know, you you needed a little help. But I did, and it sounds like you got that. I did, and. Like I
1: said, it was just a few weeks or a few months and I started to feel like myself and I just realized that this is what I needed to do for myself. And I started taking care of myself along with my kids. You know, it's funny. It's like they say with, you know, the airplane with the oxygen, you put it on yourself first. Yes. And that I wasn't doing that. I was just helping them and I wasn't helping me. And after this moment, I started helping myself and them, which
0: made all the difference in the world. And so at some point you started writing. You started a
1: blog. I did start a blog. Um, It was very unexpected and very unlike me. Because you weren't a writer, right? Never wrote a word in my life. Never wrote a word in my entire life. I I, it was. I always say I had all these thoughts swirling in my head, which I did. I had all these stories, like, and then this happened, and then that happened, and, you know, I thought other people could relate to it, because, like I was telling you before, there are a lot more young widows out there than you realize.
0: Yes, I think that's a good point.
1: Like, you think widow, and you think, oh, you know, an 80-year-old woman lost yeah. her husband after all these years, but... Sadly, there are a lot of people, widowers also, who mm-hmm. lose their spouse and and when they're younger. Some I've met who are in their thirties, never had kids, and that happens, or young kids or teenagers. You know, it happens more than you realize, unfortunately.
0: It does. So you felt you felt compelled to write. So from someone who's not a writer uh-huh. or who wasn't a writer, because uh-huh. you are a writer now. What? where did this come from? Were you just all of a sudden like, I have to purge. I have to just write an article. Kind of. Like the thought was in the back of my
1: head for, I mean, not long, but a little while. I'm like, I don't write. I can't do that. And I was just chatting on the phone with my, one of my girlfriends and I kind of said, ah, maybe I should write a blog. And she said, oh my God, do it right now. And I was like, no. <laughs> and And I am not technical in the least bit. Neither am I. I'm like, I would never know how to put a blog together. And she said, okay, let's make a date. I'm going to come over and I'm going to do it with you. I said, okay, whatever. Kind of like, whatever. When I hung up the phone with her, I literally Googled how to start a blog. And this step-by-step instructions came up. And I followed them. And they were very easy. And the next thing I knew, I had this thing. I'm like, okay, now I have to write something. So, I literally wrote um, the story I just told you about the night my husband died. I wrote it all out and I published it. Looking, you know, it's funny because I recently went back and looked at it. I looked at it. It is written
0: horribly. (laughs) Oh, I didn't think so. (laughs) Thank
1: you. I thought it was written horribly. It was just me. It's like as I would speak, I wrote. But for whatever reason, it hit a nerve. And, you know, first I thought, okay, my friends and family will read it and, you know, nobody else. But, other people started reading it. So I started writing more and I started writing about all these experiences I had with, you know, the very first few days, the first few weeks, the first few months. And I just wrote each one out. And I was writing probably twice a week back then. I was just, and it was like purging. I was like, I'm just getting it was everything therapeutic. out. It was totally therapeutic. And I just got everything out. And the more I did, the more people would read it. And I was getting, you know, I was sharing it sharing on Facebook and I was getting comments and It became a thing, and when I really knew I had something was the very first time another widow reached out to me. It was a woman. She lived in Florida, never met her before in my life. We didn't really know anybody in common, and she sends me a Facebook message, and it said, you know, my husband recently died. Somebody told me about your blog. I've been reading it. It's been so helpful to me, and we—I was— crying when i read it and that's so nice yeah no it was so nice and we started like a little email going back and forth and the thing i always remember about her is one night i was actually in the city with my girlfriends and i woke up in the morning to a text from her that she was at a bat for the night before, and she had never gone. This was the first time she had gone without her husband, and she had to leave. She was crying. She was upset. She she couldn't do it. She and she sent me this whole thing, and I like woke up at six o'clock in the morning. Everybody else is sleeping, and I'm texting her back, and it it was unbelievable that somebody would write to me about that. Like I never thought something like that would happen. And then after that. I was getting more, more widows, more widowers. People were just reaching out to me. And I was like, OK, I think I have something here.
0: Because you can relate to their experience. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask you is what what do you say to someone? I, I always feel so awkward because I don't know what to say. And then when you don't know what to say, sometimes you just say really stupid things. Yeah. And so usually I just, now I just say, I'm so sorry for your loss and that's it. And and ask them if there's, if they ever need a favor, big or small, please ask. There's
1: nothing more you can say than that, honestly. Um, you know, me having gone through it, I can kind of relate a little bit better and I get it. But also having gone through it, remembering some of the really stupid things that people said to me. Oh God, I can imagine. <laughs> did will always like be in the back of my head like okay don't say that and don't say that because now I know what is like definitely not the right thing to do and not the right thing to say you know stuff like that so you you kind of learn
0: yes yeah well you learn too when you say something stupid and you realize (laughs) when it lands that that was not the right thing to say um But I want to, you've touched on so many different topics in your blogs, but Mm -hmm. one thing I wanted, one thing that you did talk about was therapy. And one of your blogs, you talked about how, and you talked about dating, so they're sort of related. Mm -hmm. You had talked about how you were dating and, you know, some of your challenges there. Mm -hmm. And your therapist wanted to know about previous relationships. And you were sort of like, well, what does that have to do with anything and she had made the suggestion that maybe you need to focus on you first yeah. and not be so tied to having a relationship. Yeah. That was, it's funny that you
1: read that one. Um, yeah. There, I had a pattern way before I got married. You know, I like the bad boys. Uh, you know, a lot of us Don't we do. not we all. Exactly. A lot of us do. And that's what happens. And that those were some of my mistakes before I got married. My husband was not like that. You know, I've had three serious relationships in my life. One was uh, my high school boyfriend, one is was my husband, and one is the boyfriend I have now. None of them were a bad boy.
0: Okay, well, then it sounds like maybe you're not so bad at picking them. <laughs> but everything in between was. So, you
1: know, my whole life I've had three really good relationships, but besides that I always went for the guy that wasn't that interested in me, the one that, you know, liked somebody else, you know, something like that. And I think then I was – um Probably talking to her about one of those relationships because I had a couple of those before um, I met my current boyfriend. And that's what she said to me. She's like, stop worrying about a boyfriend or dating or, you know, getting remarried or anything like that. Focus on you. And that's also a lot of where the blog came from because that was before I started the blog. And once I started the blog, I realized what she was saying. I'm like, oh, this is what she meant. This is for me. This I like doing for myself and it kind of made me more of a whole person.
0: I think when you blog too it's it's a little therapeutic in the sense that we have thoughts all the time, right? Yeah. They never stop. They're they're just always going. And sometimes you go back to some of those thoughts and sometimes you don't. But when you write about it, yeah. It's there. You have to really clarify it more. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's done. And it's, out it's, there. it's like it has a life of its own now. And it, would you say that's what was therapeutic about it?
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. It was putting it all down. It was getting, you know, other widows having calling me. It was, it was just became my thing. I didn't have a thing. Yeah.
0: You didn't have a thing. Now, were
1: you working
0: when your husband passed?
1: I was working part-time as a preschool teacher. It was just, uh, you know, a part-time job I had taken after the girls started elementary school because I needed something to do with myself. And I loved it. It was, you know, at the time, it was a great job. It was, but, um, you yeah, know, it was just keeping myself busy. It wasn't like a passion of
0: mine. So the writing now is the passion. Absolutely, yeah. And so that blog is still in existence if yes. anybody wants to read it. It's wonderful. It's called The Widow Wears Pink. Mm-hmm. And that's com. Yes. Okay, and I, I went on there and you had a lot of good stuff. Thank you. And then that did that sort of phase out? And then you started this other one, <laughs> which is yeah. called Living the Second Act? Living the Second
1: Act, yes. This um, came from The Widow Wears Pink. What happened was... As I was writing The Widower's Pink, um, somebody recommended that I start writing for other publications. And she taught me how to submit an article, how to, you know, help me with my writing. Like I said, those beginning ones I think now are written terribly. But she helped me with my writing and I started submitting to other magazine so and I was on scary mommy I was on modern loss I was on grown and flown like a bunch You've been of been on Huffington Post and I have been on Huffington Post that was a huge one for me um and today.com which, yes which that's did, big yeah the today.com ones were really that those were like my two like woohoo's um you know the today.com and the Huffington Post so once I started doing this my name got out there more and more and more And, um, you know, I had a few publishers from magazines reach out to me and say, "Okay, can you write for us? And I and I usually would. Um, One of those editors that reached out to me was um, working for a different magazine and I wrote a few things for the magazine. And we just we we got each other. We clicked and we formed this little like online friendship. We emailed back and forth. She was funny. She was fun. Like, I really liked her. We had never met in person. She lived in Boston. So she wrote to me one day, and she said she was thinking of leaving. Um, She wasn't no longer happy where she was. She was going to leave her position, and she wanted to start her own magazine. And I didn't even think twice about it. I just, like, didn't even let myself think. I just wrote her back, do you want a partner? And she said, absolutely. Absolutely. And the next thing I know, we had never met. We we FaceTimed for the first time. We actually saw each other. And we decided to start something. And we really thought there was a space needed for, you know, women getting towards, and men, getting towards empty nest. You know, getting a little older, 40s, 50s, 60s, who had a, their own personal stories and their own journeys. Because everybody has a story. Yeah, and that's And that's, that's our thing, is that everybody has a story and we like to tell them and we like to tell people stories because everybody can relate to somebody's story and that's what we do like Mimi writes a lot I write a lot about you know my own journey she writes about hers and we also have other writers who, you know, we found on our own. And now we have plenty of people writing to us, asking to write for us. Um, actually, Christina wrote yes. for me. <laughs> I was
0: just going to say that's how we became acquainted. <laughs> yes. Because I have a blog, which is not as active as your blog. But you you emailed me. I found
1: her. I, w- I think I was Googling, um, you know, divorce blogs or something like that. Because we're looking for particular kinds of stories sometimes. And I found her. And She's an amazing writer, thank and you. I uh, think you're welcome and I uh asked her to write for us, and she did and that happens a lot and people you know you, I can really see the ones that really resonate with people like sometimes somebody will just write about a subject that really like clicks with people and it becomes completely super popular. And you know I love it. I love that we're doing that and not telling our own not only telling our own stories but telling other people's stories because everybody has a story. Yeah.
0: I think that what's interesting to me that I've observed is I think we're too hard on ourselves. We try, think we have to write some you know like the world's best blog. Right. You know, it's it's got to be something that would be on the front cover of I don't know, just the it would be in the New Yorker, right? Right. And you you really don't, because you never know what is going to resonate with somebody and go no. viral, right? Not necessarily that that should be your goal, but you really don't know what topic, even if it seems like a really stupid topic. Exactly, people want to read it. You know, it might, something resonates there, and I, it sounds like that's sort of what happened to you. Well, this
1: the funniest thing that happened was uh, I did have a article that went viral. And it wasn't about being a widow. It wasn't about being anything serious. It wasn't my usual stuff. I just wrote about being a teenager in the 80s and you know there were no blogs back then obviously but if I had written a blog when I was a teenager in the 80s because I was a teenager in the 80s and it was all it was just taking myself through a weekend that I could have had when I was in high school and it was about the cars that we drove and the makeup that we wore and the big hair and the the trans am exactly and the
0: the the Farrah Fawcett uh, hair
1: the big giant hair and the hairspray and the bright makeup and you know where we went and the dancing and the music and everything. And I actually submitted it to one of the magazines I had written for and they rejected it. And I was like, oh, all right, maybe it's not that cute. I thought it was cute, but maybe it's not. And then I was like, you know what? I have my own blog. I'm just going to put it out there. If no one reads it, no one reads it. The complete opposite happened. It was hysterical. It broke my uh website it like completely wow crashed well, I my bet website. that magazine was sorry exactly it crashed the website it um i sent it into today.com they published it it went it truly went viral i had people telling me like they had friends that were uh, reposting it and reposting it people that they didn't know they saw were reposting it and um it, it was really unbelievable. It turned out to be the most popular blog, I think, for the uh, today.com in in 2017.
0: See, now, who would have thought that? Exactly. I, would, I could have been sitting in my house going, oh, I should write about, you know, dressing up in the 80s. Nah, right. that's stupid. Nobody <laughs> wants to read about that. <laughs> it, it, like,
1: literally clicked with people because... Everybody who grew up in that time related to it. And, oh, and then I put a picture of myself and my high school friends up. Like, that was the picture that went along with the post. People thought they were in the picture. People thought they knew us. People were writing to me, oh, I know so-and-so. That's I'm like, no, that's not who you think it is. And somebody once wrote to me and said, I was in that picture. I'm like, no, you weren't. Like, people, the the picture, I think, even did more than the article. It was hysterical.
0: Well, is that was something nostalgic, right? Yes, I think you have you have a lot of different topics on living the second act. Yeah, and you I should do. take a look. It's livingthesecondact.com. dot com. Absolutely. What's the significance of the second act? The second act is because um,
1: as your children grow and leave the house, you have a second act. I mean, it's sometimes a third or a fourth act with me. It probably was, but um, you know sometimes like a woman who was a stay-at-home mom wants to reinvent herself and or doesn't it's just it things change yeah
0: times are different
1: yes things change life changes and it's you know we're all super powerful great women you know even as we're getting older
0: so you've written about topics like skinny shaming (laughs) depression aging dating infertility yeah therapy it doesn't seem like there's really anything off limits there.
1: No, there's not. And I've had people say to me they don't understand me and they don't understand why I would put myself out there the way I really? do and why I would tell my story. And, you know, normally I'm a very private person, believe it or not. I'm not somebody who's on Facebook all the time. I'm not like checking in and I'm not here and I'm not there. I'm pretty quiet like that. But this is a completely other side of me where I just. People like, you tell your innermost thoughts. They're not my innermost thoughts. They are, you know, some inner thoughts, but not not every thought in my head goes on paper. Um, And I don't know. I just, I feel like everybody can relate or a lot of people can relate to something I'm writing about. And I think it's helpful for myself and it's helpful for other people. So why not?
0: Well, I think a lot of people have that fear because on some level we care probably a little too much what other people think. Yeah. And there's that fear of, what if people don't like it? Yeah. What if they think I'm weird? Well, I think when
1: I first started the blog, like I said, I wasn't expecting much from it. And if nobody read it, I would have stopped. Like, I would have been like, okay, no one really cares about this. I'm not going to keep writing. And I probably would have wrote a few and then I and then stopped. Because, yes, I would have cared what people were thinking. Nobody was interested. Then, all right, I'm going to stop now. Um, but the opposite happened, which,
0: you know, I was glad. So... That's why I kept writing. So what's next for you? What is your your dream for living the second act and what that should become? Uh, we would love it to become huge. <laughs> I
1: mean, it's easier said than done. But we really believe in it. Mimi, who is my partner, and I truly believe in our magazine. We really think getting people's personal stories out there and helping other people, we would like it to really become huge. Um, we would like to do speaking engagements, you know, be on the radio like I am now, Uh, you know, a talk show, we would really like. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, you told me what you wanted. I'm not going to out you (laughs) on the air. But, but that's I what think I you want. you should shout it from the rooftops. No, I absolutely
1: do. Both of us do. Uh, like I said, Mimi's in Boston and I'm in New Jersey. So right now it's great. You know, she can kind of tackle her little area. I can tackle my area. And then eventually we'd like to come together and... Look, if I could be on uh, the Today Show or Good Morning America or anything like that, if we can both be together, that would be the dream.
0: Well, Today Show, if you're listening, <laughs> Stacy would like to be on. Actually, I would like to be on, too, we if you're listening so let's work on that i'm sure you can get a publicist yeah eventually we would like to
1: be able to do things like that you know we need more well we have plenty of writers but we always want more writers we always want tons of writers we want tons of stories um you know we're looking for advertising if anyone wants to advertise with us we we would love that we just want to be as big and as helpful and as um, great as we can be. And that's what we're really, really striving for.
0: You, well, maybe you could hire Kris Jenner and you could be like the next Kardashian oh, empire. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> if she's like Kris Jenner,
0: if you're listening, that yes. would be fabulous. She might need some, although I think they probably keep her busy. Oh, yeah, she's got a lot of them. <gasps> um, so how would somebody reach out to you if they wanted to write for you or ask you a question?
1: Um, well, first, you can always go to both of my websites, um, www. TheWidowWearsPink dot com or www.LivingTheSecondAct.com. to write to us. Um, our email is editor at LivingTheSecondAct.com. dot com.
0: And definitely check it out. There's a lot of good stuff on there. There's really something for everybody. if you have any questions for Stacy or for me, you can call us now at seven three two five four five w c t c that's seven three two five four five nine two eight two you've also had some other things that happen in your life that we haven't really even touched on, and that involves your daughter yes I have two
1: daughters who I'm So, 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 so proud of. Um, My older one is 20. She goes to LIM College, which everybody is always like, what's LIM? It's like FIT. It's just much smaller. It's in Manhattan. She wants to be in fashion. Um, What does LIM stand for? Laboratory Institute of Merchandising. Um, She lives there. She eventually would like to be a buyer for, you know, a big company. That's her goal. But she's a junior in college now. She has a little way to go. So... um, that's my older one. My younger one is a freshman at Vanderbilt and eventually would like to be some kind of a child psychologist. I really think that she wants to help children who have gone through things that she's gone through, which I, I love. Um but my older one was the one that caused me a lot of anxiety <laughs> growing up. She there's she, always one. Uh, there's that's what everybody says. There's always one. Um you know, she was always a difficult kid, even before her dad died. She was, you know, she, everybody has one. She threw the fits, she cried, she gave me a hard time. You know, that was just who she was. Um when Howie died it got worse and worse and worse. And she she really fell into a depression. That was obvious. Like she did get up from, and go to school every day and all that, but she was dark. I always say she was very dark. She, like, hid in her room a lot. She was quiet. She, she I knew something was wrong. And was that a personality wrong. change for her? Yes, absolutely. Total personality change. She was, you know, like I said, always difficult, but she was always, like, easygoing and happy. And, you know, she was, she was a happy kid. And she was no longer for a while. Um she also I got into an amazing program in um, Summit, New Jersey that was so helpful for her. We did group therapy together. Uh, she had her own therapist, and they really taught her like this was the thing they taught her they gave her the tools to deal with her own anxiety and her own depression and it helped beyond and you know through high school, she was great. she just really bounced back and she was doing great. And then uh, she kind of gave me a little shock. <laughs> she, when she was a senior, right before her senior year in high school started, she was starting to get a little quiet again. And I started getting very, very nervous. I'm like, I can't go back there again. Um, so I went to her and I'm like, you need to talk to me if something's going on. You need, we need to, like, nip it in the bud and take care of it now before you go back to that place. And she's like, Mom, it's not what you think. And I was like, all right, then what is it? And she like literally like, buried her head in her pillow, and she's like, "I can't tell you, I can't tell you." And I'm like, "Oh my Aww. god, what is she trying to tell me?" I'm like, "She's pregnant." I, I like had all these <laughs> crazy things going through my head, but what she said was not what I thought it was going to be. Um, she like finally looked up at me, and she goes, "I think I'm gay." And I was,
0: and you were like, "That's it!"
1: Some found it. I was. Yes, I was relieved, but yeah. I was. It never was a thought in my head. Never, ever, ever, it's funny. she wrote an article for us recently, um and she called it, "You don't look gay because she doesn't like not that, but there is a stereotype, and yes, she doesn't fit is. it. she doesn't fit it. she's you know long hair, wears a lot of makeup, very into fashion, uh, not what you would think, and i I had no idea, so um she slowly came out to her friends and the rest of our family and, and all of that and she's in Manhattan where she's very happy. She has a lovely, lovely girlfriend and she. this is, I've never seen her happier. She's like become her true self. She's gotten out of that You know, there's no more depression. There's no more anxiety. Well, she always has a little anxiety, but she's she's herself, and she's really super happy. And I am super super happy for her. That's
0: all we can ask for, really, is to just be able to be ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. All anybody
1: really wants. Yep. And that's and that's what I want for her. And as long as she's happy, I'm happy. And And, my other one too.
0: (laughs) Yes. And you know, it's it's hard for kids because these days you never know. I mean, it's more visible. coming out than when you know we were in high school but it's also so much more acceptable yes i if
1: it if i didn't
0: know anyone
1: in high school who had ever come out and i think if anybody did i would have been shocked like it would have been a huge deal this, I said to her that that same day when she told me, I said, you know, I just worry that you're going to have, a, you know, life will be a little harder for you. And she looked at me and she goes, no, it won't.
0: Not she's these like, days. Yeah. She's
1: like, mom, it's not like that. She's like, it's not like that at all. And, and it's not. It's not a big deal.
0: Her friends are like barely blinking an eye. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I th- I definitely think the young kids today, I sound so old <laughs> when I say that. But the young kids today, you know, it's so just really have a very different mentality Absolutely. Um, I mean, you still get the dinosaurs, you still get the, the people like, you know, there's obviously still prejudice in our yeah, society. Of course. But um, I just think that it's it's different now.
1: The funniest thing is I was so worried about telling the grandparents, like my parents yes, and Howie's parents were right. I was I I literally I sat down with a friends of mine whose son is gay, and I'm like, How did you tell your parents? And I was a nervous wreck and I held it back from them for so long. When I told them, they were like, Great. I was shocked. As great, really? Um they were like, yeah, it's I mean, I think they've even adopted to this new mentality that everybody has, yeah. which is amazing.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's what happens about any topic when it's out in the open and people talk about it and there's education and mm-hmm. it's not just something that Someone's only talking about him in back rooms and exactly and it's being hidden away. No, it's totally different now. I mean, you see it on TV,
1: you see it in the movies, you see it on the street, everywhere. It's 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 amazing that it's not. I mean,
0: I'm thankful that she's in this time and not when I was yeah, growing up. I agree, and it's interesting. The but the studies have shown that the kids that are able to come out and. And be okay with that and not have the stress and the depression Mm -hmm. and and the suicide that we hear about is largely when their parents accept them and love them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine not. Um, I know that there are people who do react that way. But, look, she's my daughter. I love her no matter what. and. She's happy. So why wouldn't I be happy?
0: And she's doing wonderful. I'm so happy she to hear is. that. Thank you. I love fashion. It's sort of like, you know, I sometimes when I look back on my life, I'm like, why didn't I do that? It seemed like it would be fun. <laughs> Maybe it's not too late for me.
1: So what does she want to do with it? Uh, she wants to be a buyer for like a department store okay, or something like, like Bloomingdale's that. Dales like Bloomingdale or... sack, something like that. Yeah. It's funny. She was the kid growing up that uh, didn't play sports like Never, ever, like tr- we tried softball and soccer and everything, and Wasn't
0: she couldn't. Interested. She couldn't
1: kick a ball. She couldn't do anything. She was so uncoordinated, which she probably got
0: from me. That's <gasps> me, really. I yeah,
1: I, I mean, that's how I was sports. also. And um, you know, she, like I said, she didn't have a thing. Everybody, you know, all her friends, somebody danced, somebody played soccer, somebody did this, and she never had a thing. And she got a job when she was uh, very beginning of her freshman year of high school in a little boutique clothing store in our town. And it changed her world. She was successful. I mean, she still works there part-time when she comes home. They love her. She loves working there. She does amazing. And that's what kind of like gave her that little bug, like, this is what I want to do
0: that's awesome yeah some of us I'm 44 have uh, well I guess I kind of figured out what I want to be when I grow up yeah I think you have (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you know what I think there's so much pressure I remember when I was in college there's Mm -hmm. so much pressure to figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my life what do I want to be and I think kids still experience that today oh definitely but I I hope it's changing that you don't have to stay in the same profession yeah. forever I mean look at me at 50 I started writing <laughs> right? have thought? So see so I mean I've, I've heard people so many times say oh I'm, I would love to have done whatever I would love to have been a dentist but I'm too old now but why yeah why are you too old yeah you can Why'd always change I know it's not as easy to go no, back to school no it's definitely not um but I want to back up a little bit and t- mm-hmm. and maybe touch on some of the other topics that you've written about. Um, you had written somewhere about guilt in one of your blogs and about dating I guess dating guilt was that well, you talked generally about guilt it was a topic that I saw okay, and I'll just ask you did, okay. was there any sort of guilt when you started dating again? Uh, yes,
1: absolutely. Um, there was you know those first few months or first year or whatever however long it is you're like okay uh, I'm not obviously not dating I'm not ready I'm not whatever Um, it's funny because now that I'm writing and I in all these widow groups and whatever there's so many different stories there are women who literally start dating within a few months and they're remarried in a year and then there are women who literally do not take their wedding ring off for 20 years it runs the gamut yeah Um, for me I, it was about ten, eleven months before right after how he died, and a friend of a friend called me, and she said, "I have this great guy for you." And I said, "I'm not dating," and she said, "No, no, no! I'm telling you, I have this great guy for you, and I, I you know, want you to go out with him before he's scooped up by somebody else, and blah, blah, blah." So she talked me into it, and I was like, "Okay, fine. Um, I'll go on a date. You know, what, what's the harm?" So I, the guy actually called me, and he said to me on the phone, I hear I'm your guinea pig. <laughs> like, was, is this the guy you're with now? No, oh, okay. it is not. I was like, uh, okay. So uh, I dated him, and he was a nice guy, and honestly, it was, he wasn't the right guy, but he was a nice guy, and it actually got me into a different pattern, and it got me out there a little bit, and it made me realize that I can date again. Um, like I said, he wasn't the right guy, but... You know, for me, my first date was, I think, 11
0: months after how he died. So. Did you worry about judgment of other people? Oh, definitely. Like, how can she be dating already? Everybody judges. Everybody. And like I I just told
1: you these stories. Someone got, you know, someone could get married in a year and somebody doesn't take their wedding ring off for 20 years. Somebody will judge both of them. Yeah. How could she do this so quickly? And what's wrong with her? And she never loved him. You know, they'll say awful things. And then. The other woman, she's crazy. And what is she? She's living with a dead man. And, you know,
0: every- or she's just latching onto someone else. <laughs> it's like everybody yeah.
1: will have a judgment about somebody else. And I think this is what I learned when I was writing is I don't care what people say anymore. You know They're what? always going to say something. Exactly. Whatever I do, somebody will have something to say. So, you know, I got to do what I got
0: to do. Yeah. Now, what about your kids when you started dating? Did you talk to them? About that, I kept them very far from it in the beginning, so like, they didn't even know you. No, were No, in
1: the beginning, they were still very young, and yeah. that first guy I was, t- they they didn't. I mean, now they know, but they didn't know then that I was going out with him. Um, a few other guys, like I kind of said, okay, I'm going to go on a date here, a date there, but even with my current boyfriend, I kept him away from them for a mm-hmm. very long time. I'm like, I'm not bringing anyone into their lives until I'm sure it's something. Did and- you ever sit down and tell them that you were dating? think I ever actually sat down but I think though there was one guy that I started dating a little more publicly and I kind of just said you know I'm, I'm going out on a date and and honestly all kids are different but my kids were happy for me good yeah I mean I know some kids get jealous and upset and whatever they I think they want me to be happy I think they don't want to worry about me for the rest of their lives well you're still so, a young
0: woman yeah right I mean you're not well, even if you were 95, you could date again Exactly. <laughs> that's what you want. <laughs>
1: exactly. But,
0: I mean, life wasn't going to just
1: stop. No, and I wouldn't want it to. And I know how he wouldn't want me to. It's funny. We He used to say things to me, like kidding around. He's like, yeah, yeah, if I go first, you you should get remarried. I don't want you to be alone. And I would say, shut up. That's never going to happen. Um, but, you know, thinking
0: back, we, we, he was totally kidding. But, you know, I know his feelings. He actually said that yeah I'm of course yeah you would if if it's truly a loving relationship you would want the other person to be happy exactly um but thank you for being so frank about that um and you and I did talk a little bit before the show started um about marriage about remarriage Uh uh-huh how
1: do you feel about that my mantra is always never say never um I would never say I'm never getting married again. I'm also not dying to get married again. I've been with my boyfriend now for four years. And is it an option? Absolutely. Is it something I need to do right this minute? No. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy. It's just not a big priority. No, it's definitely not a big priority. I'm happy. I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with him. Um, Right now, I don't need to rock the boat. My kids, my younger daughter... um, still comes home a lot she will probably be home a lot if she's going to be in school as long as I think she's going to be so I don't have this desperate need to be married but I'm happy to be with somebody and I'm happy to be in a great relationship and one day
0: who knows do you ever you don't have to answer this if you don't want to <laughs> do you ever feel like you're ever comparing your relationships or relationship to what you had before Oh, yeah. And I think
1: it's a, I think it's a natural reaction. I, you know what? I, I can't imagine not comparing it. You know, it's not in a bad way. It's, they are similar in a lot of ways, and they are very different in a lot of ways. Um, like I said, this is my third re- good relationship where I'm with a good guy. And to me, that's the most important thing. Like, Howie was a great guy, and my boyfriend now yeah. is a great guy. So
0: that's what well, when when you have to check the box on your relationship status <laughs> do you feel like you're always gonna be in the widow box that's a very good question um because uh, like, there ever a time when you don't think of yourself as a widow um yeah
1: I don't know I I don't have an answer to that I I don't know right now I still check that box um but like I always say I don't it's a part of me but it doesn't define me. I look, I'm a widow. And sadly, I am. But it's it's not the only thing about me anymore.
0: Yeah. It's not. Yeah. So how are we going to get you on the today show? Uh that's a very good question. Is anyone out there? <laughs> and and what else do you have in the queue? What kind of topics do you need people to write about? Um we love divorce. We love
1: um You know, starting over. Starting over is a huge one. We have a lot of widow writers because that's who I know now. I have this whole little widow community, which is amazing. So we get a lot of that, and they all have different stories, which is really great. Um, You know, there's people write about their childhoods about. We we run the gamut. Um, But as long as it's a real true story, we will love to read
0: it. Right, so tell us, because we have to wrap up. Okay. And thank you so much for sharing all of this. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. There's so much to really go over, Mm -hmm. but you shared your personal experience, you shared your evolution, blogging, Mm -hmm. what you're doing with that now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what else there is to talk about other than really juicy stuff that I'll have to ask you later when we're not on the air.
1: You can ask me, and then if you really want to talk, if I want to talk about it, I'll come back.
0: Mm, Yeah. I I, (laughs) I might save some of those for off the air. But what can people do if they want to reach out to you? I know you said mid-show, but just for people who are catching us at the Uh, tail end.
1: Email us at editor at livingthesecondact.com. If you want to write, you want to advertise, anything like that, or you have questions for us, and you could always visit us at www.livingthesecondact.com.
0: Good. And then what I like to do at the end is ask a couple of Proust questionnaire questions. But okay. they have to be quick answers. Okay. Because we don't have a lot of time. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs>
1: um, just being happy with yourself. Being happy with yourself, having a happy family, having happy children.
0: And I can't give you these in advance because it would ruin it. Okay. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? Oh God. Um Oh God, I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. <laughs> You'll be thinking about it. Later yeah, on I will. The way what trait do you most deplore in others? Um
1: Anger. Like Someone who flies off the handle so easily without really like sitting back and thinking about it. Somebody who judges people too quickly.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of us may do that at times. What do you consider to be your greatest achievement? My children. All right. Well, that's all we have for right now. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Wake Up Call. We just gave you her information, Stacey Feintuck's information, livingthesecondact.com. And if you want to check her out, you want to check her out please do that if you need to know more about me it's christinaprevitt.com thank you and see you next week thank you